everyone, Dream Warrior Special Edition, Ready Player One. What are people missing about this movie? We're going to talk about it, and we're going to, you and me, we're going to catch up a little. Hit that music, let's roll. Oh my god, this is weird. This is so weird. Uh, it's been so long since I've done a solo episode. Uh, Chris and Mark and I have been doing so much, uh, so much regarding um, Dream Warriors that uh, I honestly feel uh, this is this is the first time uh, during the entire stretch of Dream Warriors. I honestly feel that. Uh, I have some warriors, people. <laughs> I got people to bleed with, people. Uh, oh my god! Um, big shout out to Mark for just rocking and rolling endlessly, uh, willing to uh, record early morning, late at night. Same with Chris. Uh, Chris's uh, taste and enthusiasm and i say taste in a very uh complimentary way because uh chris isn't shy about what he does not like uh the only it's we have it the the only thing we had to pull out of him (laughs) is him not liking tropic thunder and i i love that moment in in our tropic thunder episode where he was just straight up and honest about not digging the movie uh straight up and honest about not digging the marvel movies uh, you know, like, so we're, we're like, each of us have like a, uh, like, a, like a skill set, almost like the justice league, like the X-Men and our skill sets and our specialties. Uh, yeah, it's, it's great. Uh, I only wish, uh, Norman and the other Mark were, uh, involved because the, the spectrum at this, that point would just be amazing. Uh, and it would be the best, the best diverse movie review podcast a lineup uh available i'm 100 percent convinced of that uh why because of uh me let me toot my own horn because of the uh direction that i would provide period but anyway so solo episodes i it's so hard uh it, it was so hard for me to get back to to doing these but look uh ne- necessity creates things so Chris and I, this past weekend, uh, timestamp, this is Monday, April, April 2. So this past weekend, uh, Chris and I did another run. We, we stockpiled another three episodes uh, of Dream Warriors. Uh, at that point, there was four unpublished. Uh, the fourth one went live uh, Easter Eve, <laughs> going up, going into Easter Sunday. And that was like a late night drop. And I actually spent a chunk of Easter uh, putting the clips out of that episode, episode 84, John Wick, uh, onto our social media, a.k.a. Pad13. Uh, so my sister and I, we, we were gearing up to see Ready Player One. I asked her if she wanted to see the movie. Uh, and then, then this is like kind of engineered around me trying to create uh, brother-sister time more than anything and ready player one being a nostalgia 80s driven movie which is very odd for me to say because there's nothing about that that gets me excited uh it's really weird uh i like i i 
I get it, but I don't really like care. It, uh, Kylo Ren's line in the Last Jedi resonates so much with me. It's like it's like let it die, like let the past die. And man, like I understand the uh, draw, and we're going to talk a little bit more of the absolute draw for uh, Ready Player One. So. Her and I seeing the movie was just driven around brother and sister time. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. Her and I, we, we, we go see the movie. And I, I got... Uh, there's, there's multiple movie theaters I grew up with. That uh, like were rocking and rolling at, at times. And... and the Ready Player One review, this discussion is is absolute affirmation that the movie-going experience is absolutely dead uh, in like through Hollywood. It is totally dead, okay, to where to the point where Ready Player One should have been absolutely uh, positively uh, a flagship movie, almost like... <sighs> like a flag and should have went to netflix ready player one i will say this ready player one should have went to netflix hulu or amazon prime period okay there i i cannot fathom why this movie what benefit it has going into a movie theater because the theater my sister and my, my sister got tickets for a theater i haven't been at in 10 15 years and this theater, when they built it, was just awesome. Because they had, like, dual row concessions. Uh, it had, like, part arcade. All this, all this amazing stuff. And so we get there. And they got, they have these totally cool <laughs> M&M, like, standees that are selling M&M. So I, on my uh, IG stories, I posted the, the red M&M. Uh, and I and I wrote Danny Danny DeVito because for me the red M M&M and M will forever be Danny DeVito, which is funny because as soon as we sit down in our theater, uh, <laughs> they played the Danny DeVito M M&M and M Super Bowl spot. So I got I screened recorded I recorded that real quick for IG story. So it was like back to back, unintentional, looked totally intentional and planned as you click through my story. At aka pad.com or aka, or AKA pad 13. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, quick coffee stamp. Uh, I am doing uh, iced coffee with butter, pecan, creamer, and it's amazing. So we're jumping all over the place here, but it's been a while. It's been a while since you and me have spent time together. Okay, so. This theater only has one side concession running. One side. I, I get it. It's not a Friday night. It's not a Saturday. But, geez, there, there's definitely a line of people. I mean, you know, you, you could uh, definitely align and to move people through. See, so the whole idea of uh, doubling up on concession availability in the movie theater and the reason why a lot of movie theaters had concessions uh, closer towards the screens is that if people got there late, they would be able to get popcorn, period. Okay? Uh, they, they, they would have a chance to get popcorn and not miss much of the movie and get their seats. So, this obviously, this movie theater doesn't care if you're late or not. Uh, this movie theater also has reserved seating. 
uh, so this re- reserve seating trend uh, is horrible. It's so disgusting. It, it takes so much away from the the true experience of seeing a movie. Uh, and by this, I mean uh, respecting the crowd, respecting the others others around you, respecting the movie, respecting the demand for the movie. And you rush into a movie. And if you have 10 minutes to buy your ticket and get your popcorn, you are sitting in the front row because you you don't understand, you don't respect the movie-going experience. These reserved seatings take away that respect, the same level that Netflix uh, takes away the respect of seeing a movie. Okay, they're, they're parallel. And everyone in Hollywood trying to get butts in seats will bash Netflix for this. But, but you yourself, Hollywood, you have subtracted the respect and the uh, demand it takes for like you know the the uh, I always say domain I want to say respect and discipline of seeing a movie at the screen. So it's reserve seating again, no big deal, right? We can we can move through this. Uh, this movie theater had upgraded their concession. They got things like cheesecake now, all kinds uh, Cheetos popcorn. That was like seven bucks, <laughs> and it looked like it was like a small. So I don't know. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's got gimmicks. It got all of these things. Amazing M&M displays. I'll still talk about them. <laughs> uh, I, raspberry chocolate M&Ms. I nearly bought those. So it's, hey, Dal- Dallas is, is here. Dallas is, is having such a trouble eating food. I, I can't figure it out. What's up, buddy? You're going to have to eat your food. Uh, he's back and forth with what he's eating. And sometimes it looks like he's not even eating at all. But he is. It's a war. I think he's just messing with me. So, you know, we move through the concession. We get our seats. We're, you know, my sister and I have the same, because we grow up together, same taste in where to sit, like as close to center, center, center as possible, center perpendicular and center, okay, whatever. So, we, yeah, like we sit down and, yeah, like everything's perfect. Amazingly comfortable seats, the recliner seats, and, Something occurred to me. So the cost of the tickets is pretty much has doubled in my time. So, and we're at that threshold. You know, like $21 a ticket is kind of it. Like that is, that's exactly the mark. Okay, 21 22 I really, I don't believe the market can bear much more than that. And... We go to the screen. Now, Given, keep in mind that this movie theater uh, didn't get a major reconstruction. Like, it, it, like I doubt that it's shut down or whatever. You know, they probably upgraded the screens one by one when they went from regular seating to this super advanced recliner uh, reserve seating. Uh, and this, this blaring uh, point uh, just kind of like came out to me. And <laughs> you're maybe sacrificing uh, six seats per one. You're sacrificing six movie theater seats per one seat. And your ticket pricing is only going up double. Okay, so now we're talking uh, math- arithmetic. I want to say mathematically because it, it's arithmetic. Arithmetically, if we're just making up words here, everyone. Arithmetically. 
Yeah, uh, we are losing. <laughs> we're losing money. It's it's a six per one ratio, and now it's it's six to two. Um, so is this the operational cost expectation with concession of a movie theater, or like you know was the hey I have a business I need to thrive I need to uh, make enough money to invest in other places I need to pay for my kids college I need to pay off my house is was it always two seats or was it six seats because <laughs> you know you got you got you to show movies and it costs money to to get these movies up on the screen so the whole economic system seems uh chaotic right now it does not make any sense so and it, it was kind of um ironic that i got this revelation of uh, of what's happening here uh during my you know during my time waiting to watch a steven spielberg movie and it i don't know it's very very depressing super depressing so ready player one two is a science fiction movie like you know we really don't have to go too much detail into the plot it's dystopian takes place in ohio which i loved I, i like dystopian movies that have like off center locations and uh, everyone jacks into a place called the Oasis, and it's a giant video game. And the video game kind of, like, someone crosses over to the real world. Now, I thought all of those elements uh, completely should have been better. I Like, watching this movie made me crave uh, watching Blade, Blade Runner 2049. And we're, we're somewhat in, like, a, a science fiction push. I want to say, like, sec, like another renaissance for science fiction movies. But there's a lot of, of decent science fiction movies, like, rolling through, okay? Even uh, Mute uh, from Netflix and, and, and the um, the Cloverfield Paradox also aren't on Netflix. Uh, it, like, we're seeing a lot of, like, swinging for the fences type of science fiction. And that's really what science fiction should be. I, I think this run of science fiction that that we're getting um you know like i don't know like if you consider some of the marvel movies as science fiction which i do you know uh yeah it's you know like it's it's just middle middle of the ground i know earlier uh with a run of similar episodes i think last summer i may have said that we were in like a, a science fiction golden age or, or rerun renaissance i i have to go back and maybe clarify that but um but no so I would say very super recently, like science fiction films have been like so-so. Uh, and that's really my feelings towards Ready Player One. Uh, it is definitely a so-so experience. Uh, if, if you all know the references, um, these things in the movie, uh, it, it definitely confuses and takes a, it confuses and takes away what what you're watching. You don't know what what you're seeing. Okay, hey Dal. Uh, one hundred percent. And oh, oh, let me just. Oh my um, God. Sorry about that. Not, not really. I'm not sorry. Dallas has been so weird when it comes to the food he's eating. Uh, shout out to Dallas though, at Diamond Dallas Cat on Instagram. Uh, for now on, any anyone listening, any fellow Dream Warrior listening, uh, new objective. We are doing shout outs to Dallas, Dallas first <laughs> when when we do our plugs, but no. Uh, yeah, and he's so weird with his eating because uh, I can't—I really can't figure out for him to eat something in a 
in in a stretch and i usually know he's like happy when when he eats or he's like com- complacent when he uh you know like almost like eats his entire cane of food in one shot he like inhales it and then he kind of uh goes to lie down and that's like the pattern he's been on for for years now and he i can't get him back on that pattern so i don't know what's happening with him and i I had to check on him like kind of just make sure he was okay uh as much as i could see which wasn't much but okay so Ready Player One, Revelation. The, uh, we are at a absolute point dead, like Armageddon, Dottie hitting the earth level of box office now. And so one, one of the sites I, I go to, I reference that I love is boxofficemojo.com. Amazing Twitter account. Look them up, follow. Uh, they, they do this thing, movie showdowns. So, for example, they have like Angelina Jolie's Tomb Raider 17-day total versus the new Tomb Raider 17-day total. And it's it's 101 million versus 50 million. <laughs> uh, yikes. So, Ready Player One is in, in through the press, through everything, is already being touted as a amazing. Uh, it's a triumph. It's a success. It's a masterpiece by uh, Steven Spielberg. And the box office has proven, has proven this. Uh, yeah, okay, headlines, headlines, clickbait. What can we see through it? Can we see through what's happening? And to pinpoint it, no, this movie is not is not a masterpiece. Not not even close. Uh, it's too reliant on the Oasis part, which is the best part. And what's happening inside the o- Oasis is far more interesting than what's happening outside the Oasis. And this is a tragedy because the entire movie cannot exist inside the Oasis. Otherwise, it would just be a computer-generated movie. Uh, you know, like, it's weird. And, you know, there's enough CG in, in this movie. It could be nominated for Best Animated Picture. Okay. The human part, you would feel like, you know, Spielberg would have a complete grip over. And he does not. Okay. There is nothing about the human elements in this movie Do you remotely feel for. Uh, the best part of this movie, human-wise, is the villain, Krennic, from uh, the guy that played Krennic from Rogue One. He's awesome. Amazing villain. He, he Him and Chris Christopherson. Or Crystal, whatever uh, <laughs> the guy that was Inspector, or um, you know the the dude from Inglorious Bastards, like the two of them, <laughs> whatever their names are, they need to make a movie together. They need to be in like a villain movie, okay? But getting to the box office, four day total for Ready Player One, fifty three million. Okay, so it's a hundred seventy five million dollar movie. With overseas, yeah, th- this movie's going to make it back. Okay, four-day total for G.I. Joe Retaliation, the forgotten <laughs> the forgotten sequel to G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra. Okay, you know, this movie starring The Rock and Bruce Willis. And actually, at the time, I, I, one of my few online back-and-forths I ever got into was uh, making a comment on uh, back when I was like really like on Facebook. Uh, making a comment and posting a trailer for G.I. Joe Retaliation saying that this is like like this is going to be a great movie because they're shifting uh, based on the trailer you can see an obvious shift some of the best sequels ever 
are make a shift like this uh you know again like to shift from alien to aliens or the you know like i, w- I will even argue the shift from uh, x-men to x-men 2 uh huge shift spider-man spider-man 2 uh captain america winter soldier huge shift okay uh you know and some some of the other shifts might be a little bit more subtle but uh for the case of x-men and spider-man 2 our starting points are so much further ahead of where the last movie ended okay so uh yeah and i've just made a comment that gi joe retaliation gi joe 2 uh just seemed to be more of a sequel uh than uh, dark knight rises and uh, i just remember being attacked by this one guy about that and i'm like look i'm like Dark Knight Rises uses 90s characters up until the Deadpool movie. Anything 90s used in movies was a failure, like exponentially a failure, like Spider-Man 3. It goes on and on. This this was like another attempt at Bane. Again, the second attempt, attempt at Bane. The other attempt was Batman and Robins. Like it was some of the this 90s correlation and sequel and franchise fatigue. And these factors, the idea of franchise fatigue kind of um, eroded now. Like that's a, that's a concept that does not exist. I believe it did exist at one point. And <laughs> me and this guy like went back and forth because he couldn't believe that that GI Joe two could ever even be close to Dark Knight Rises. And this is before either movie was released. And I, I would I kind of hate to say because you hate being wrong sometimes. Uh, but I think I, I won that. that. That prediction was true. G.I. Joe 2 Retaliation is 100% uh, a better movie than, than Dark Knight Rises. Okay, but moving on. So th- this is what they're comparing <laughs> the movies to on uh, <laughs> Box Office Mojo. Four-day total. Ready Player One. I'll say it again. $53 million. Four-day total G.I. Joe 2 Retaliation, the forgotten sequel to G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra, 51 million. 53 million versus 51 million. This is where we are. As Steven Spielberg, uh, tentpole feature, okay, $175 million movie promoted everywhere based on a book that uh, a lot of people know. Okay, yeah, so this is where we are. Ready Player One is making the box office of G.I. Joe 2 retaliation. Now, if if American consumerism can't drive American box office, uh, we're in trouble. Okay, because eventually, um, you know, like Hollywood's going to lose that bet. Okay, Hollywood is going to lose the bet of banking on foreign dollars. Uh, Why? Okay, because... Foreign economies are shifty. They're command control economies. They're not free market economies. When you have command control economies versus free market economies, uh, you have booms, but then the booms completely decimate everything, and it goes away as quickly as it came up. Okay, and you know we have the like the uh, things like the the Shanghai element. Uh, so many more people are in Shanghai versus New York, but. You know, these movies can be shut down at any time. At any time. Like, they, 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 they don't have to allow the movie into their country. And what you'll have is, you'll, you know, you'll have these movies flourishing through the black market. Which they do anyway. But for now, it sustains Hollywood. Okay, this is a losing bet. It's a losing bet 
Huge. Okay. Ready Player One needs to be a $100 million movie out of the gate by the time it hits Sunday. Not $53 million <laughs> when it hits Monday. Okay? This is a part of the fall of Hollywood. No one is going to the movies or having movie theaters sacrificing seats versus comfort. Okay? No one... It's a two-hour experience. Uh, how comfortable can you be? Why do I need a recliner to see a movie? I, I, these thoughts escape the hell out of me. Uh, escape me AF. So my sister loved the movie. Uh, I think the movie was great and enjoyable to sit down and, and digest. Uh, my criticism for the movie Look, I would watch Ready Player One like any day of the week. I think the design work, um, the the use of music, which was complete pain during uh, the, the movie, it opens with Van Halen, and at no point is you're opening with Van Halen, and no point is it cool. <laughs> at no point is it cool. The, what they call the stack. Uh, I remember seeing uh, the cover for Ready Player One where it showed the stack, and I, I just remember being oh my god this is such a cool like thing this is a cool idea like i want to know more about this okay um you just don't see it at all you know, like um the economy of the world that we live in and what some of the rules are uh you know like i i really feel like they've believably um what they should have added from the book and maybe i'll do something comparing the uh, two but look we're doing a movie here is they should have uh jacked into it just like the matrix because that's the only way it, it you can explain having to move your arms and run and, and to walk when you're in virtual reality uh there should have been a like an implant and a completely immersive experience uh it's the only thing that makes sense um it's a solution the matrix provided that it's still the best solution okay uh, but go on, let me get a sip of coffee. Uh, so like the, the rules of the world, I, I do not feel like we're established at all. Maybe I'll pick up more on a second viewing. Everything inside the Oasis, which I feel like Spielberg had least control over, because then you're dealing with 3,000 <laughs> artists. Uh, <laughs> I just feel like those guys are the ones that made the Oasis as fantastic as, as it were. Uh, yeah, like the mystery part of the movie was fine, whatever. I would have liked it if they, uh, if the movie started with like 20 years into this mystery or 10 years, like they've been trying for 10 years to get this like thing. Okay. This Easter egg. And in 10 years, no one can do it. And this kid comes out of nowhere and fucking like does it. Okay. Excuse me there. But so I don't know. I mean, there's, there's a part of me that really wants to dig this movie that felt like I should like this movie. Uh, human elements aside, uh, yeah, everything inside the Oasis just seemed to work and made sense. Um, but I, you know, like it's so niche, meaning that, uh, like even like what they had to do inside the o Oasis to get these keys to unlock this Easter egg. And then at the end have like this almost like, um, philosophical gotcha um, you know, once, once the, uh, our blue guy, he's a blue dude in, in this thing and in, in the Oasis, once like the blue guy talks to the old guy 
um, you know, it's almost like a gotcha, like, oh, uh, you, this is what it's all about type thing. And fine, no no big deal. That that would have been something like I would have expected if, if I was caring at that point, which I really wasn't. Uh, you know, like what happens to track down these keys too is, is kind of video gamey. And you have to, you have to kind of like play games a lot to even have that resonate. That's what this is banking on. And the people playing video games now are playing video games on Twitch. And the people who want to play video games now are watching people play video games on Twitch. Okay. This movie is maybe three years too late. Okay. The, Look, the free market took over, <laughs> took over what's happening with video games, and people have chosen this is their way that they want to absorb video game content. Not, uh, not a two-second shot of a of a Halo Spartan squad running through the trenches in the final battle. Uh, but anyway, so th- there was also Spawn in in the final battle, and no one, <laughs> no one on YouTube seemed to have caught it. Spawn is in this movie, and for that reason. It's in the no. Uh, it was cool to see Spawn, but yeah. So th- this movie was just not. Uh, I don't think it was designed for me. Uh, I think it was really designed for um, someone like my sister that just wanted to, to watch a movie and enjoy themselves and and kind of followed the stakes as 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 it moved through the chains. Uh, I went into this movie expecting more, knowing that there was more at stake. Okay, uh, it would be no different than a, a similar experience with Star Wars The Last Jedi, which I have yet to talk about. To where, you know, like the Star Wars movies need to be a certain thing at a certain level all the time for everyone else to do well. And we have Han Solo coming up with has zero traction, even though that's our planned uh, family movie. And... <laughs> And we have Last Jedi, which was a divisive disappointment. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Uh, um, it's just not looking good. So it just puts so much more importance right now on Infinity War. Infinity War needs to outdo Black Panther. Because we, we, the Black Panther, Black Panther success is such an anomaly that it's not going to be recreated. Uh, it's not going to be replicated, but um, something engineered needs to beat it, and it needs to beat it soon. Because we're week by week now uh, when it comes to these companies and these theater owners bleeding money. Because I'm, I'm convinced that they're bleeding money. But yeah, so look, um, this episode was as intended as intended <laughs> as like a snap review. Uh, similar to the um, Spider-Man Homecoming episode. We were going to do like a snap review post. Uh, I didn't record when my sister sister and I were done with the movie. Uh, I only recorded with her picking me up on, and on the way to the movie. Uh, which was like initial like 16 minute discussion. And, and the reason for this um, is that when I was done with the movie, I kind of wanted to think about it i wanted the movie to sit and to resonate i didn't think i was doing it just justice by doing a a snap review so because of that you know like i lost doing like a full episode with my sister which you know it kind of breaks my heart uh because i you know it just sucks um but she loved the movie she loved the movie so much uh and her and i were were so divided on it uh you know like it's it's 
easier to like it's it's more difficult to portray why you like something versus to why you hate it i think when it comes to providing value to everyone out there with the dream warriors podcast um i think being uh, having a level of analysis towards what is what's the disconnect is between the audience and the movie uh is far more important than adulation um you know, we move forward through criticism. We period. If you don't live, if you don't live the life of um, powering yourself through criticism uh, day in and day out, uh, you're it's, you're not really pursuing life. Um, you're becoming something else. Okay. Uh, you know, to reference Netflix, uh, Netflix movie Rebirth that Chris and I spoke about <laughs> this past weekend. Uh, if, if I'm going to quote Rebirth, you're becoming a zombie, okay? Uh, do not, you know, just because things uh, seem perfect doesn't mean that they are. Uh, but anyway, so I'm going to right now just say uh, I do recommend this movie. It's uh, I would recommend it because it is still a experience. It's still cool. It's very niche um there's cool things that you know like all the uh, the easter egg stuff still works uh as as an engineer to work but 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 uh i don't know when it comes to emotionally connecting to the movie and feeling like you're with the characters i really wouldn't say it but and i think i'm an outlier for that idea but uh, yeah i'm going to sign off now and what we're going to jump into is the audio from the car with my sister and i uh, you know, kind of like going through some other things. We talked about uh, war stuff <laughs> a little bit. So fair warning, but it's mostly about the, uh, like her and I kind of seeing a movie together for the first time in a long time. And that's why Ready Player One is special to me because it is uh, a movie that my sister and I saw together. So I'm going to jump there and then uh, we're just going to hit the um, hit the music after that and sign off. So everyone... Talk to you later. Have a good day. Oh, my God. So, are we going right to... Yeah, the, we're going to go right to the movie. Yes. So, what was... I was talking about this earlier. Because um, Chris and I were filming. Yeah, Chris and I have been doing episodes. And... What was the last movie you and I saw together? Uh, uh, the last one. No, I mean, where it was oh, just us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, probably like I I'm gonna go back to like maybe private parts or wow, like that summer where we we spent like the whole summer in the movie theater for like Private Ryan and uh, so it was that long ago. Huh? Butthead. Yeah. Shit, that is surprising. Well, hey, we're breaking the streak. Um, so my friend Lou went to see it last night, and he said. This is epic for anyone who grew up in the 80s. Yeah, and that's a little bit of what I don't like. Because, I mean, it's it's good for a segment of people, but, but like, what, like, now, like, what's, like, said I mean, two like, hours, what's, like, what's flew the by. story? Like, I don't what's, know. Like, what's really, like, Oh, like, I know happening? what it is. Okay, so, this, this entrepreneur, this like multi-millionaire right. guy. He creates this thing called the Oasis. To find his fortune. Well, he so dies. It's like a scavenger hunt. Well, he dies right. and then uh, whoever gets the Easter egg Correct. gets, yeah, yeah. gets the thing. So I but, guess they get, I guess that's what the video game looks yeah. like. Yeah. It's kind of like, it, it looks to me 
like a video game meets Tron. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, it's virtual reality. Today, I tried catching up in Spielberg. Yeah, so I know. How far did you make it? I tried to watch Lincoln again. Couldn't get through it. Told you. And then, then I tried to watch BFD. Uh, BFG. So, BFG, I tried to watch Which twice. Which is what? Uh, Big Friendly Giant. Oh, I never saw that. So that's his children's one yeah. his, uh, that he made with Disney. Like he collaborated with Just Disney. Just a couple years ago, right? Yeah, I think it was 2016. Last year, yeah, the year before. And that's based on the Robert Ronald Dahl book, the, the Charlie right. and the Chocolate Factory right. author. Uh, um, you know, he wrote Matilda. He's he's got like a ton of. Did he do Hugo too? Uh, no, I don't know if he did. No, I don't think he did Hugo. Uh, but yeah, so. That movie is really tough to watch. That's like, like that is so bad. So it's, it's been a long time since I I've even seen or wanted to see a Spielberg movie yeah. like in the theaters. What did you think of the post? Um, the post I I haven't seen yet. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, it's it's queued up. So maybe when I'm done this. I'll check out the post and then I'll round out my Spielberg like yeah. like my whole Spielberg journey now since technically I'm like I would be 100% caught up outside the uh, like Sugar Land Express. I just watched um, Private Ryan was on last week on a on a, a station where with no commercials it was actually on a cable channel yeah. and that I got to watch it all the way through from start Ryan to finish just gets better and better every time all I watch the time, it. It's just, every time. There, there's one scene that is just so random and subtle. And it's when he goes looking for Upham, he just needs a translator to get, oh. and he's just, Tom Hanks is just sitting there, kneeled down, and he's making notes on, on the map, and he's oh, delivering yeah. the dialogue, and he's like, did you pick up, did you go through basic? Yes, sir. Did you pick up a rifle? Then get your gear private. Like, yeah. it's just so subtle. Like, he's in the middle of doing something else, and he's reading off these lines, yeah. and it just feels so, like, authentic. That movie's for real. Uh, it's one of the best. Easily, uh, could easily, easily be best, the best war movie ever. I think so. Yeah, so, I don't know, I'm excited. I hope, uh, I'm Did hoping. Did you see Dunkirk? You yeah, dead, yeah, right? I saw, yeah, Tony, Tony, myself, I did watch and that. John saw it. Yeah. So, yeah, and Dunkirk was fine, but it just, Dunkirk didn't have. I wanted more, it was uh, too, like. It didn't have, like, moments, and it was hard to, uh, understand that it was, the timeline was, like, staggered and chopped up, and. It, I think the bigger points with that whole event they didn't portray in the movie, which was they were a day away from losing the entire war, yeah, the whole war right. if they weren't evacuated. Which they is were, like, I feel movie theaters yeah. should do a double feature of Darkest Hour and Dunkirk to get the oh, context. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. Um, because, you know, Christopher Nolan does things so existentially. Yeah. And really, really, the feature of the whole film is from Tom Hardy's perspective and right, him yeah. in that airplane where he barely says a word yeah. but you're seeing it all from his well, vantage that's, point. Yeah, and that's his, like, uh, he's obsessed with Tom Hardy's eyes because that's what he said about Tom Hardy uh, and for Bane. Bane. Yeah, he said he, he acts with his eyes. It's like, cool. like, what is that? Like, I don't know. But when you put a mask on him, what else is he supposed to do? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't understand. I do not understand the obsession that he I just I found myself during eyes. watching that movie I was on Wikipedia looking searching the battle yeah way too much yeah it's it's like I'd like to uh, like watch the movie and then like research cause but prior to watching Bridge of Spies uh, you know like I kind of refreshed myself on exactly like 
what happened. Yeah. And like the movie nails like I what love happened. how it ended. I did not see it coming. Yeah. That he was he but, really was what they said he was all along. Yeah, but the um I just didn't think the drama was there. I thought the storytelling was bad. I thought the That's um, kinda how I feel about the post. Yeah, I just think I, I just think throughout the years he's gotten uh, a little I don't want to say preachy, but kind of like it's it's just his filmmaking's a little bit sloppy and it's not so exact. Um, I just yeah, I don't get it. Like I don't know, but I'm hoping this become, like right right with Spielberg. Should be there's not run. always like a lot of missing like like you said missing puzzle pieces, and that's sort of how I felt. I love Bridge of Spies probably because I learned a lot watching that movie because I think yeah. that part of the 1950s and the 60s in between the Korean War and the Vietnam War, yeah. they don't teach you a lot of in school, oh, no, not where they focus on American yeah, history, not, they stay away from the Cold War. But, yeah, um, well, because the Cold War is giant but and the, complex, and it's, I, it's I a tough thing to teach. With the post, there can only really be so much like drama, because it's kind of a flat story to begin with. Well, what's, yeah, well that's, I would say that's, that's exactly how Lincoln came off and Bridge of Spies, and the poses. I think you're just waiting for that flat. moment of drama, and it just doesn't yeah, come, so, and, and then the movie. What's over. what's the hook for the post? So they they offer the Washington Post. Okay, so and the, what's what's the uh, like gotcha? Okay, like, so are, they have they have papers. Okay. Uh, regarding the Vietnam War, in which almost like LBJ and Nixon kind of conspire to make this war happen, to take, um, to give uh, Nixon something to back, to give him something to push. It was almost like they knew that they were getting into a war that they couldn't win, and there's all of these um, emails and exchanges going back and forth between like army generals and it's almost like the war was almost created like we had no business ever being there and the government knew yeah, it and sent see, them into it anyway yeah. and the post gets their hands on all of these documents and they wonder what they should do do they publish them yeah or does the washington post which needs to work with washington and government officials and not alienate the white house or congress right. what do they do yeah i think it's very timely see, given it given everything well, that's going yeah, on but right see, now that's but, what people say and i rejected and i and i rejected the notion that uh the vietnam war wasn't created by jfk first like mm -hmm. he's the one that got us mm -hmm. into that conflict mm -hmm. but at the same time this will move if um, get like you know I'm talking about the complexities of the cold war uh, the complexities of the cold war is that the you had to fight communism like you had to fight com communism somewhere you had to fight it somewhere and this was a battle like yeah. line this this was yeah. a line in the sand and like Nixon worked his like butt off. Nixon was the the best foreign relations, like foreign policy driven president well, in, the, in the history of the world. Because he had so much of that experience working under Eisenhower all the way up to his presidency. That's all that was. Yeah, yeah, and and he he ended the war. He ended the war through uh, force and power. Like it, it was called the, the Christmas Day bombing, and he submitted them into a surrender. So like I understand like these ideas that the Vietnam War was like this failure and things weren't at stake. I mean, you just I, have to watch watch. The yeah, movie I mean, and see. yeah. It's like, I just really I 
I guess older me rejects things off a notion sometimes, and, yeah. I, and I don't get excited for them because I know there's like a spin to it. Like same thing with Kong Skull Island. Like Kong Skull Island is running around there calling Vietnam like this failure and this disgrace, and Hollywood, the, like these people, they're these freaking elites are obsessed with labeling Vietnam as some huge disaster that and because of that we, we can never help other countries now on a, on a militarily sense. Well we can't get into other countries civil wars. Well, like well it, doesn't, it doesn't even, what, you know what? It, part it, of the reason why we haven't built up in like a huge presence in Syria. Why we did, didn't really do enough in Somalia. Yeah, places but, like that. But the thing is though, we should have did that. Like when, right, when, but yeah. I think it's because well, it's, of the Vietnam War, no one wants that on their hands again. No president well, I don't wants know. that. On I mean, hands again. I think there's there's other things behind Obama not doing that. But at the end of the day, I mean, I don't know. Like, but, and, and but Clinton was in office during Sudan and Somalia and Rwanda and all yeah, that, and never put yeah, and he, troops there. He did. Well, they did. Well, they did in epic, Somalia. They did epic bombing. So they oh. they did definitely military runs and excursions happened because of their foreign policy like lives were lost definitely but either way but that's a little bit of like why i you know i was like uh, with the post because they were saying that it was like a timely movie and it's not even like a big enough thing historically to even connect but that's just the promotion machine that's just the movie propaganda yeah, machine just, pushing yeah. that out there and hollywood's very liberal you know that so they'll take or, yeah. they'll take any any chance. Yeah, I just feel can. like. Uh, but if you want to watch a movie just for the sake of marveling again at how great Meryl Streep is, yeah, I do think that. she's okay. Yeah, I'm not really. I, you know, she's just whatever. I'm like she she's a whatever to me. But uh, I like those uh, like procedural unfolding type movies mm -hmm. that are like um, like the Falcon and the. The Falcon and the Snowman, or all the President's Men. Yeah, I like movies that move within like a beat, and there's like yeah, and there's like this like almost like hypertension, but everyone's wearing a tie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know, but I'm excited. I think I think Ready Player One is the perfect movie for us to even do this because of the the 80s references. Mm -hmm. You and I are 80s kids. Although also Hashtag 80s kids. BT Dubs, we're not going to Denver. Oh, where? We're oh. going to uh, Washington Township. Oh, okay. I thought maybe you were going to pick Cinemark. I was going to suggest Cinemark off of Lionside Plaza. I know. I didn't know. That's fine. Um, yeah, let's but, just hit. But I already bought the tickets. Yeah, I've, okay. yeah. Well, I so, wanted you to. Yeah, but. Well, the problem with the. I told you that AMC is only, only has five showings for the whole day because the movie's so long. So. Be two minutes, 24, two hours, 24 minutes without previews. Really? We're going to be in the freezer. Oh my God. Um, so they. Can you make a two hour movie? They have the 3D side and then they have the standard show okay. side. So the 3D started at 7, but 6.15 was the standard showing where the next one would be till 9.30. And I was like, we don't want to be in the movie theater at 1 o'clock in the morning. No. So I was like, forget it. I'll just. So, but you can pick assigned seats now at United Artists. So I'm assuming uh, okay. they have better seats. <laughs> it's so now. complicated so buying movies. Well, I don't, I like, know, like, I like I don't know if they have better seats because we thought the um, this one now the, this one the, that actually, one theater had them and they this just one, had stickers. This one has yeah. had like a grid 
okay. that said screen and then handicap and all the seats in between. Okay. Because the way we want one of the seats before.